Hello, welcome to Overburden, the podcast for post workers. That is Brandy Hughes. And <laughs> that's Kevin Hitchings. Today we're going to talk uh, on a very broad overview level uh, about the Canada Post Pension Plan. But yeah, we're not going to get into a lot of real specifics. There's whole courses on that and the details of pension plans. Like I say, there's probably podcasts, really boring ones, I would think. It's <laughs> just dedicated to pensions. There's a lot you could go into on this. Well, and the numbers change over time, right? So it's kind of, it's not like we can say, hey, if you retire today, you're going to get this much money because that could change. Yeah, for sure. What we have right now is called a defined benefit pension plan. Mm-hmm. Um, the corporation for some time has been trying to change that to a defined contribution uh, pension plan, which are very different things. It's not just our corporation, though. Like That's kind of the overarching trend for a lot of companies because it it reduces the risk to them, the financial risk to them, and, and puts it on to the workers instead. Right. And in 2015, um, right after the Liberals got elected, one of the things they promised to do was not touch pension plans. And one of the first things they did was actually introduce Bill C-27 that year. Yeah. Uh, not one of the first, but in their first year. Um, and it would have allowed them to just arbitrarily or unilaterally change any federal sector pensions from defined benefit to defined contribution. Um, and we'll talk about why that's bad in a second. Bill Morneau was the finance minister. His company administers pensions and would have made a ton of money if that would have happened. So strange. <laughs> there were some ethical questions raised. Is that a conflict of interest? Yeah, uh, it seems like a pretty obvious one. Um, they withdrew the bill. I don't know if it was because of an investigation or to avoid an investigation, but there were definitely calls for an investigation on that. Well, it's just too fishy, yeah. Yeah, because one of the problems with a defined uh, contribution is it costs about four times as much to administer. There's way more audits, way more regulation, way more calculations. So the companies that administer the pensions would make way more money. And uh, by extension, his family would have just by strange coincidence. And those costs, of course, would be borne by either the employers or the workers, and we all know what they would prefer. Well, that's the advantage to the employer for a defined contribution, is that the worker takes all the risk and all the costs, essentially, mm-hmm. um, and it just lets the corporation off the hook for everything. So a defined contribution, I always, get the, I always have to talk real slow to get these things not mixed up. But a defined contribution plan would mean that you pay in a set amount. Um, no matter what happens, you're paying in a set amount. Mm-hmm. And the investment, the management company would invest that money for you. And then you would get paid out based on how those investments do. Right. So there's no guarantee at the end if there's enough money for you to live comfortably or any money at all, really. Right. So for you could be doing very well. And then a pandemic hits and the markets tank and so does your paycheck if you're a retiree. Um, In this case, it would recover a bit, but yeah, there's no guarantees there at all. And this is where it really hurts people because if you're already retired, what option do you have to make up that shortfall, right? If you're you're budgeting for this much money every month and then that gets cut in half, say, how do you eat? How do you pay your bills? Are you living in your car or worse on the street? And, you know, like... Yeah. And the people administrating it, they're supposed to take that kind of thing into account a little bit so they can hold money back for rough times 
but who knows how much they're holding, you know? Mm -hmm. And while they're holding it, they're also investing it for, you know, and they're taking fees to administer all that kind of stuff. So there's no benefit to them to pay you out, but they can manage wherever they want. Uh, and if it does ever have not enough money to pay people, or if there's a problem, uh, they just increase the fees and they increase the contribution. Mm -hmm. But the benefit is still dependent on the market. So even though they can raise the contributions to make up for shortfalls, it still doesn't guarantee that you get anything out of it, except their fees would go up, of course. Right. So there's no benefit to the employee and the employer has no risk because whenever there's risk, all they do is raise what the people are contributing and they're off the hook for everything. So the alternative is the defined benefit plan and this basically allows you to know what your estimated earnings will be um, when you retire. So as, as members of the Canada Post Pension Plan, you get a yearly statement that comes and it, it will tell you what they estimate your monthly payments to be um, based on the current, uh, I guess the current pay rate. Because it will change over time as 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 we get raises, those raises also apply to um, to people who are still working but not retired yet, right? Right. So once you start getting a payout from the defined benefit, that benefit stays the same, and you're pretty much guaranteed that the whole way. Yeah. The only exception there would be like uh, last year when we had the retroactive uh, pay raises. So if you were still you would still have qualified for those retroactive pay raises if you had worked after uh, the beginning of 2018 because that's when they were backdated to. So if you retired, say, midway through 2018 or 2019, um, they would have calculated your back pay for those years that while well, you were still at work, and then that would increase, likely it would increase your calculation for your ongoing payments because our payments are based on your best five years of income, right? Okay. So yeah, basically what it boils down to is defined benefit. The benefits, what you get out, are what stays the same, and contribution, it's what you put in stays the same, and the other one can vary. So if there's a shortfall in a defined benefit, the company or the pension plan would have to, well, the company essentially would have to make up for that shortfall. And in this case, that would be Canada Post or by extension, the government would have to make up for that if there ever wasn't enough in there. Um, I forget what year it was, but they changed the rules. There used to be you had to fund it to, or have the, the pension fund funded to always pay out the next couple of years or currently whatever. And then they changed it so that if the corporation were ever to shut down immediately, then the pension funds would have to have enough to basically fund everybody until they retired, which is a huge change. It makes it pretty much impossible to start a new defined uh, pension fund okay. or defined benefit fund because you'd have to have a huge amount of money there just to start it because, you know, if no one's paying into it yet, you still technically have to have enough for it to end, right? So it kind of really... Uh, damages new funds coming up. Uh, but if you don't have enough to fund everyone until they retire, that's called a solvency deficit, okay. which we have right now. I believe it's around $7 billion, something like that. Um, so yeah, if the corporation shut down today, closes its doors, um, 
they would be seven billion dollars short in paying out all the employees till they retired. But that's not likely to happen. And of course, the pension's still <laughs> yeah. getting paid into. So the solvency deficit really only exists on paper. And of course, in the media, they like to tout that, you know, there's this huge deficit and the pension is unsustainable because of this huge deficit. And the right. Canadian taxpayers on the hook for this benefit or this pension. Um, yeah, and they would be if the corporation ceased to exist tomorrow. But of course, that's not going to happen. Yeah, if you want to find out more about the uh, about employers' um, requirements to fund the pension plans in cases of uh, solvency deficits, you can look up the Pension Benefits Standard Standards Act, and that pretty much uh, specifies when they have to contribute. And uh, I think it's a percentage-based calculation of how much they would have to contribute um, in what period of time. Yeah, and Canada Post is supposed to be uh, paying into this fund to reduce the solvency deficit, um, but the government gave them a... Uh, did they call it a moratorium, a moratorium on, on yeah. payments? Um, I think that was under the Conservatives, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah. So Good old Harper. Yep. <laughs> well, it was the Trudeau government that tried to do the uh, switch to the defined benefit. Right. The, uh, or defined contribution. That was something the Conservatives first floated, and the Liberals swore they were never going to do. Right. But that's politics. Um, mm -hmm. They only have to make a promise to get them through the election. Mm -hmm. And after that, who cares? So, but we did fight that off. That would have been a huge, huge hit. Um, and the worst thing about that is they tried to make it retroactive to the uh, members that were already retired, too. So if you had already retired and you were living on that find benefit for years if this would have gone through and they had actually changed our uh, pension plan over those retirees suddenly would have their income flown into thrown into flux right which would have been extremely hard I would think yeah and I mean some people will say oh what do we need these extra pension plans for considering that there's the CPP and there's the old age security plan and the guaranteed income supplement um, but I think realistically anyone who's living on those alone knows that it's really hard to make ends meet on that. Um, and this is where you hear of, of elderly people, um, you know, eating dog food out of cans because they can't afford real food because it's, that's what they're living on, right? And I mean, I know people who are retired who are, you know, they're counting the pennies because all they have is the CPP. Yeah, and all they have to defend against that is stability, and converting this plan would take that away. Mm -hmm. Well, and we are really lucky because not only do we have the pension plan, but there's also that bridge benefit that um, if you retire before you're eligible for the CPP, it basically... Um, Gives uh, you a little extra. Yeah, it supplements your income until you're eligible for the CPP. So you can be eligible to start collecting that at 60 uh, most people do it at 65, but you can choose anywhere between 60 and 70. Uh, if you start early, though, your, your monthly payments will be reduced. Uh, and the other uh, benefits, the old age security and the guaranteed income supplement, are dependent on your household income. So if you do have another pension plan, uh, you may be ineligible. Yeah, where's the Canada Post pension plan you get no matter what? Right. So the CPP should be at least stable, I believe. It's it's a defined benefit. 
I believe. Uh, I don't know a lot about the, the Canadian pension plan. Um, well, I, I did, was doing some reading and I found it interesting that in order to be eligible for it, you just have to be a, a, a legal resident or a Canadian citizen who's resided in Canada for at least 10 years since you were 18 years old. <laughs> and if you are no longer a resident, you have to have resided in Canada for at least 20 years since you were 18. So that's kind of interesting that, you know, there's not really that great a, a, a qualification, right? Like, so you could effectively have lived here for 10 years and then collect, collect a CPP right. <laughs> for the rest of your life. So your pension is based on your top five years earnings. Um, and a little bit comes off your check every month to pay for that, of course. Um, that's the other thing, uh, we've mentioned this before on the paycheck, you're, they call it deferred wages. So what you pay into the pension is actually paid to you. Mm -hmm. They just hold it for later, that being your pension. So your pension is something that you've already been paid, it's part of your wages. Um, so them taking and doing what they want with it or changing it or whatever is, you know, it, Kind of like them coming in and taking your car. You bought it, you paid for it. Same with the pension, right. you bought it, you paid for it. Canada Post should be keeping their hands off of that. It's none of their business, Yeah, to be honest, but they're the administrators of it, unfortunately. Um, I think that's gonna be one of the strong demands, I hope, in our next round of negotiations uh, to limit their ability, if not to outright take it away from them. To manage our pension fund. Yeah, they should Canada contribute their, their share to it and then leave it alone. And let, it, let our people manage it. Yeah. Um, or probably or a third party. Yeah. We have. Yes. Um, but someone who actually has our interest and not corporate interests in mind. So we talked about that uh, solvency deficit, how the corporation was supposed to be paying into it, and they've got a um, moratorium on their payments. That's, of course, so they don't make the books look bad this year when they have to pay into it. It also, they use it as ammunition to try and shut the pension plan down or convert it, use it as an excuse to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and they want the pension plan gone uh, for the same reason they want a lot of other things gone. And the reason they don't want to contribute to the um, community power campaign, even though it makes a ton of economic and stability sense for the, for the corporation to do it, is that having no pension makes the corporation easier to privatize or a defined contribution uh, plan with no risk to the employer and all the risk to the employee also makes it easier to sell, privatize. I find it kind of yeah. odd though that um, we're a crown corporation, so we're essentially owned and run by the government and people, um, but they want to say that a defined benefit is risky because it depended on the market. Well, they're the ones that's that Kind of that's it. That's like the government it. saying they have no faith in their own economy, in their own market. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I think all companies uh, kind of dislike pension plans of all types, though, because it represents a, a certain unknown factor. Like, um, you don't know how long your employees are going to live after they retire, so you have no idea how many pension plan payments they're going to take out. So it's kind of like it's a it's a cost that you can't nailed down you can't just like put it down on a piece of paper and know that it's going to be exactly that many dollars every year yeah it doesn't look great on the books but it's an un because they have to record it as a as a liability but it's an unknown liability it's not like mm -hmm. 
you know, it's not, that's what the solvency deficit is. It's an unknown liability, but it's not a real one. Like there's no way the corporation's going to shut down tomorrow. And a, and a lot of um, pensions also have survivor benefits, right? So if, if the employee um, dies, uh, their spouse can be eligible for the, the payments. And this is true of the CPP as well. Um, they actually changed that in 1987. It used to be that uh, you lost your CPP, uh, surviving spouses lost their CPP benefits uh, if they remarried, but they changed that in 1987 so that you could keep them. And so anyone who uh, got hosed over by that can apply to the federal government to have their back payments uh, paid to them. Um, interesting little tidbit there. As to why we need the Canada Post Pension Plan, um, over 11 million Canadians have no workplace pension plan. They just have the, the public ones. Um, many workers don't have enough money for retirement, and uh, experts estimate that you need between 70 and 80% of your current pre-retirement income for each year that you are retired, because you're going to spend less money on savings and housing and uh, in theory, you're going to pay less income tax because your income will be reduced, but you're probably going to spend more money on travel and hobbies because uh, you're going to have more time on your hands. The other thing, too, is the Canada Pension Plan is probably less stable than ours is, our pension plan. Um, There's a lot of variables. The Liberals, I believe um, Paul Martin was the first one to do this and Chan's government, uh, have borrowed, taken money heavily out of there because they say, well, the pension plan's so safe and so secure that it's not needed, so they just move it into general revenue. Uh, they've done that a couple times. Uh, I'm not sure if the Conservatives ever did that, but I know the Liberals have done it at least twice. And then they suddenly cry that recent years that the pension fund is now unsustainable. Um, the Conservatives under Stephen Harper wanted to raise the retirement age from 65 to 75, make everyone work an extra 10 years, uh, just to stop people from withdrawing from the uh, pension pl plan. They were going to do it two years at a time. Uh, so extend it, like change it from 65 to 67 and then change it to 67 to 69. And that was, I believe, literally the first thing the Liberals did was cancel that, uh, moving their retirement age to 65. It's kind of a political trap. They do that all the time. One government will start something and hope the other government doesn't have time to stop it and then they'll blame the next government for it. That's something I really worry about for younger workers when the conservatives come back, and they will eventually, that uh, they will slowly bump that retirement age back. So if you're in your 20s or 30s and probably your 40s for sure, I'd be worried about working much longer than you would have had to otherwise. So yeah, the Canada Pension Plan has been on the edge for a while because it kind of depends on the plan growing and the population always growing. When they first set it up, they set it up in the, uh, the baby boom when there was always mm -hmm. a lot more younger people than there are older people. Right, now we're in, all those baby boomers are collecting pension now, well, and that's slowed, why we have a problem. It's slowed down, right? <laughs> um, so we've got to you know, either hope the markets really pick up or have a lot of immigrants come in and... Uh, I hear there's going to be a COVID baby boom. Yeah, that might help. <laughs> but you need a lot of immigration or, or some way to, to raise the population growth, uh, which is unsustainable long-term. So that's why they've, they've talked about reducing benefits of stuff, which would be economically bad because as we talked about before, um, the less money uh, senior people have, health care 
um, situation is and ends up costing the economy more in the long run anyway. Well, right, because if you if you reduce their income, you reduce their access to nutritious food, right. uh, balanced meals, um, medications, um, increase their stress levels, and re- it, maybe it might make the difference between them having access to fitness programs or yeah. or, or not, right? So or, all of those things compound and, and could, you know, it's basically a disaster waiting to happen. You're right. you're going to have health problems if those things add up. And the conservatives wanted to do all three. They wanted to raise what you were paying in, lower what you were getting out, and delay when you started taking the pension plan. Uh, I'm not sure what the liberals did to tweak that. I don't remember exactly. I know they stabilized things and they, they put some band-aids on it and stuff. Anyway, the point is, our pension plan, any pension plan is super important. I don't think you can necessarily count on the Canadian pension plan to fund you in retirement. Uh, I think it'll still be around. I don't think there's any chance of it shutting down. Well, I'm sure but, it'll supplement income. It just, I don't, I don't think you'll be, you know, living off that solely and, and living comfortably. <laughs> right. That was one of the solutions too that the conservatives had. I think the liberals maybe even kept it, is they wanted to have all kinds of incentives for people to work part-time uh, basically until you died. So that if you made 50 bucks. Right now, if you go over a certain amount of money, your pension from the government comes down. They wanted to change that to encourage people to work so that, you know, if you made $50, maybe your pension would only come down 20. Mm-hmm. And they thought this would boost the workforce because there's so many wonderful jobs out there that, you know. Um, that retired people want to go back to work for. Yeah. <laughs> so, and with things being, at the same time, they're saying, well, things are being automated. So it's harder to, to find work. But they want to encourage people to stay in the market more to lower what the pension has to pay out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the having a stable, good pension um, is one of the biggest um, positives to Canada Post, working in Canada Post, I think. For sure. And this is one thing that's frustrating me about talking to people about um, what they want to see in the next contract and, and what's not meeting their needs at work. And you run into a lot of people who are nearing retirement and they go, oh, I don't even care. I'm out of here. And you're like, okay, well, don't you care about your pension? Yeah. What are you going to do when you retire? Well, live on my pension. Yeah, if if it's there. If it's there, right. But I mean, if you don't care enough to fight for it, why do you expect us to? That's that's (laughs) one of the other uh, things they want to go to to find contribution for is whenever there's a problem, and the problem could be that they just keep raising the administration fees because, like I say, it costs way more to administer. Um, Mm -hmm. They just raise the fees whenever there's an issue, and you pay more in. You don't know what you're getting out. Uh, and then there's another problem, which may or may not be manufactured. I'm sure it's not hard to create one. So they raise the fees without guaranteeing what you get out. And they just keep doing that mm-hmm. until the fund is not worth having anymore. And the employees start saying, hey, why are we doing this? And then you have people asking if they can opt out of the plan, right? And you have people asking to opt out of the plan. And yeah, which eventually it just goes away. And that's the long-term goal mm-hmm. of the defined contribution is to get rid of the pension entirely. And of course, cause division. Because there's going to be people saying, let's get rid of it, let's opt out of it. And other people are going to be saying, are you freaking crazy? That's our retirement. Well, and especially people who can say things like, well, I've paid into it for 20 years. Why would I want to scrap it now? Where's all that money going? Yeah. You know? Because I can guarantee you they're not going to return it to you. (laughs) Well, there's that thing about taking the commuted value of your pension if you stop working for Canada Post before the age of 50. But um, you're not going to get their contributions. You're just going to get your own. Right, because... Really, the corporation pays all of it. You just they give it to you first, then you pay it back. Right. But uh, the way it is now is the corporation pays a chunk and you pay a chunk. 
And if you commute it over, you keep your chunk that came off your paycheck, but the part that the corporation paid, you would not get. It would just kind of stay in the fund. Yeah, and that's not like that's a significant amount of what's in there. So you, you that's that's like giving away half your half your retirement savings, right? Yeah. Uh, so if if the amount of your pension uh, changes as a Canada Post employee, this is also going to change uh, some of your other benefits, your post-retirement benefits. So like when you retire, you can choose to continue your life insurance and you can either choose an amount that you want to be insured for, or you can choose to be insured for, I believe it's twice your annual income. I think so, yeah. Uh, so if your annual income changes, well, hey, what do you know? that amount of your life insurance payout is going to change. Um, and so this would also change like the deductibles that you're paying for those things and the deductibles that you're paying for the extended health care plan or the dental benefits. Uh, can we briefly talk about the changes for RSMCs? Sure. Uh, due to arbitrator McPherson's decision in 2020, she declared that uh, RSMCs uh, could like all of their work after 2004 would um, would be counted as continuous service and that RSMCs with 15 years of continuous service so like basically if you'd worked here in 2004 and you still work here in 2020 uh, you're eligible for those extended uh, benefits after retirement whereas previously they, that wasn't offered to them and it's voluntary you can choose to opt in or opt out. Yeah, which is huge because the amount you get paid out is based on your best five years income, but then there's a formula that calculates in how many years of pensionable service you have. So mm -hmm. the longer you, the more pensionable service you have, the more you get out. So that's actually right. a big boost. Otherwise, all these RSMCs would have been working all that time and not getting any benefit out of their pension. There's a lot of people who are, like that you can talk to at work who are like nearing their retirement age and and like the rules say you can't retire before you're 55 and that you ideally should have 30 years of pensionable service and like it's all like they're doing the math and going well what if I retire you know at 57 and I only have 28 years or you know like there's all of these like okay what if I do this what if I work two more years what if I what if I go as soon as I possibly can and I mean we all feel that urge but <laughs> I think mm -hmm. um, it's funny. Somebody said to me the other day that I work too much. And I said, yeah, I hear this. There's this thing called retirement. Yeah. <laughs> Someday it's I'll get be there. It's a good feeling, though, when you know you <laughs> can retire any day, any day you want. Even yeah. if it's not something you're going to do, like if you want to wait Just longer. Just having that option Just having in your option. head. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be a good feeling. Oh, it's got to reduce your stress a little bit, I would think. Like if you could just be like, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. You know? Um, it sounds good. And you can just, you know, quit today and apply for your pension and uh, just walk out the door if you want. I wouldn't recommend it because uh, it takes about three months usually to um, guarantee. Um, of course, guarantee, I use that lightly with Canada Post and SSHR, <laughs> but to guarantee that there's no interruption in your pay. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of people say that they gave them plenty of notice and they still managed to screw it up like they do with everything else yeah. finance related. So three months is what you should put in, uh, give them three months notice. But in theory, you could just, uh, you know, put in writing, I'm retiring as of today and or as of 10 minutes from now and walk out. Right. You just maybe would, you would have a, a blip in your pay. Yeah, yeah. a three month blip. 
Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you'd eventually get the money in theory, but, uh, yeah. you know, I hope you have enough funds to, to eat until then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, uh, that change for the RSMCs, I should uh, specify that if you retired due to disability, that uh, 15 years isn't of continuous employment isn't necessary because um, obviously you don't have the option of continuing to work until you hit the 15 years. So if you want to know more about what you can expect out of your pension plan, there's actually um, in the Urban Collective Agreement, if you check out Article 42, it's page 317 of the new CA, um, says that um, in your last year of pensionable service, you can request uh, from the corporation certain information. Um, so within 30 days of you making the request, they have to tell you the total period of pensionable service that you have, any any period that is not pensionable. Mostly that would be when you're on leave. Yeah, usually Or part-time. Yeah, but that doesn't apply to... Um, maternity leave or parental you have the option of buying back that time right um by making those contributions uh either while you're on leave or when you return uh you can do like lump sums you can do i believe it's a 500 hundred dollar minimum payment if you do lump sums or you can just opt to double up your contributions once you return to work um, one thing I do advise people if they're going on those kind of leaves, um, when you first go on leaves, they ask you if you want to make that time pensionable. And I always say, say yes, because you can always change that to a no later if you decide you can't afford to make the payments, but you can't change the no to a yes later. If you say at the beginning that you don't want it to be pensionable, they're not going to let you change that the other way. Great. Good point. Um, okay. So they tell you the years of pensionable service, any time that was not pensionable, and uh, your average salary for your best five years. Um, and the different options of benefits that you might be entitled to upon retirement and an explanation of those benefits if necessary. So this is the extended health care, the dental plan, the life insurance um, that we were talking about earlier. They have to give you information on that and explain it to you. If you have questions, ask. Great. Um, and the, like your local might be teaching courses on retirement benefits. I know ours certainly is. Um, we've had a lot of interest in them. They seem to be going really well. And it seems like you plan another one and people just sign up because everybody is going to retire sooner or later and they want to know what they can expect and how they should prepare. Because there's a lot of intricacies there in, in making sure that the transition is smooth and that you, um, that you are in a good financial position to, and, and even a good mental position to sure. make that change in your life. And then the other place you can look for information if you want to know the exact calculations of how it's worked out and things like that, because we're not going to bore you with that on the podcast, you can just go to cpcpension.com and uh, everything you need to know about the intricacies and all the minute details are on there. Yeah, and I mean, look at that, uh, look at that annual statement that they send you, because it'll tell you what they estimate your payments will be. It'll tell you who your beneficiaries are if if you uh, die before you collect your mm -hmm. pension. Um, our pension plan actually has a, an interesting thing when you apply that you can designate your beneficiaries, but you can make it revocable or not. So you can give yourself the option of changing your beneficiary if you want to. Just something to keep in mind. Yeah, we came very close to having this pension converted in 2015. The um, 
Like I said, there's that legislation that said they could do that outside of negotiation, outside of arbitration even. Um, and then the supervisors, the APOC people, um, actually had theirs converted for them. Mm-hmm. And it would, they were basically told, like, no unions are winning this. You're going to lose it anyway. You might as well give it up now. So any supervisor that was a supervisor for, I forget if it was 2014 or 15, but June 1st of one of those two years, um, has a defined contribution as opposed to a defined benefit. Mm-hmm. And after that date, it's all defined contribution. Um, and they were told, like, CUPW is going to lose this too. And the whole corporation is going to lose. And uh, it was kind of a trend across the country. Like unions oh, yeah. were following out of the University of Saskatchewan here, had a huge fight on their hand with that, um, which most of them lost. There's a few different unions there. But, um, but yeah, Canada Post was the ones that stopped that wave. Um, so another place where like one union um, makes a difference and it really and ripples up and affects things. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I remember at the time thinking like, okay, the pension plan seems good in the way it is, but if you change it to a defined contribution, well, suddenly I'm not so interested in participating, right? Because yeah. there's there's no guarantee that I'm ever going to get my money back. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> on the surface, if you don't look too deep into it, it doesn't look like such a bad thing to switch right away. It's the long term. You don't know what's going to happen. It's the stability and, you know, They'll say, well, if the market skyrockets, you could go up. It's like, or they could just hold that for future stability. Mm-hmm. Everything's out of your control, but all the risk is suddenly yours. And uh, like I say, long term, it's kind of designed to eventually, you know, pay the administrative companies as much as they want. Because no matter how bad it does, they're still going to take their fees and then eventually right. kill it for the company, right. you know, and, and make that- it hard to start. I think that corporations are kind of relying on that, that young people aren't that concerned about what their income is going to be in 30 years. And so if you say, well, you know, I'll give you an extra dollar an hour now if you give up your pension. Well, as a young person, that seems like a pretty good deal. But, you know, 20 years down the road, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, people aren't keeping jobs for 20 years anymore. Mm, like they a lot of them to. aren't, yeah. And uh, that's another one of the um, goals, I think, of the two-tier wage system. You know, it's easier, a lot easier to give up a $20 an hour job or at the time it was, what was the starting wage when they first switched to like 17 or something? Yeah, 17 something. Yeah, it's a lot easier to give up a $17 job than it is to give up a $25 job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're kind of counting on people not ever making it to the higher wage. Maybe that's why it's seven years. It's one of the reasons, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like we said, um, real experts in pensions, which we are not, could talk about this for weeks on end and, you know, just excite every neuron in your brain. But uh, yeah, that's but... just a really quick overview of uh, what our pension is, how it works, where to get more information, and uh, why we really need to protect that defined benefit over the defined contribution. I, I bet it's a lot more exciting if you're 64. <laughs> I would think so. Or, or 59 or like... I don't know. I I have this letter at home that says that I get to retire on my 60th birthday unless we have strikes or lockouts and labor disruptions and whatever. And I think to myself, that's going to be the best birthday present ever. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go to I'm 65 to get the full pension, which is still before you get to go because I'm so much older. <laughs> Geezer. Geezer. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I find that's one of the things that keeps me going. My 60th birthday, I get to retire. Yeah, I got 17 years left, and I'm still 
um, really looking forward to that pension. It's a big thing for me even now. Maximum for me anyway at 65. You, your pensionable years, I believe, stop at 30 years. I'll only be 20 by then into it. So I won't get my full benefit that I could have. Mm -hmm. I was hoping you have like functional joints at that point. Uh, that's it's already too goal. late, I think. <laughs> I'm still hoping. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's our uh, overview, I guess, of the pension plan. If you have any questions about it, please feel free to ask somebody who knows more than we do. And in the meantime, any questions or comments? Check us out on Facebook or Twitter, or you can email us at overburdenpod at gmail.com. Have a good week.